Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and this is E3, and we are going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount through this summer uh, time. Uh, Pastor Eric um, and I have been co-teaching this series. Pastor Eric has taught the uh, past couple of weeks and did a fantastic job while I was traveling, and um, I was able to catch up on Vimeo and, and watch it, and he just did a really fantastic job. I, it made me smile to see Charlie the Mannequin uh, made, a, made a triumphant comeback. So that, uh, that, that mannequin has scared your, your pastors many, many times in many different ways, just to let you know. So, uh, so we've been talking about these, you know, these different high-level teachings that, that Jesus uh, uh, told us about in the Sermon of the Mount. And these are really advanced kind of things. And one thing that Eric said when he started off the series was that, that these aren't just nice ideas. These are things that, that Jesus believes that his followers can experience, and that's the ideal that he wants us to experience. And as we're listening to it, you know, it's not just, you know, just kind of this, this idea. This is, this is really what it means to follow Jesus. Now, today we're going to uh, talk about prayer, or Jesus is going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk, uh, look at Jesus's words and, and see what he, his ideas on prayer. Now, there are some people who really resonate to prayer with prayer, and 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 they find it quite easy. Anybody like that here? Just like you're just a prayer warrior. Few people, yeah. Uh, and then you know, there's people in between, and then there there's those people. The only time they pray is when they're like flying off a cliff, right? You know, in their car, they lose control and they say a couple of words to God before they explode at the bottom. All right, fine. I mean, that's... So, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, but, you know, there's a, whole, there's a whole range, right? And I believe that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew chapter 6, where we'll be today, really helps bring some perspective and some clarity. Now, one thing he does talk about is the Lord's Prayer. And, if, and many of us in our... Uh, just upbringing, we were encouraged to to learn the Lord's Prayer, or we just picked it up. And what I wanted to do as an exercise before we really get into it is for us to recite the Lord's Prayer together. Now, it's a little; it was a little chaotic in the in the first gathering, and I'm sure it'll be chaotic. Uh, it is because everybody has different translations and and things like that. Just roll with it. It's good. It's it's fine. If somebody next to you is saying thee or thou, you know, it's okay. You know, you know. So just roll with it. So I'll start us off, but I'm gonna really want you guys to drive it. Okay. So our Father, in heaven,
Very good. <laughs> hey, and the thighs had it, by the way. You guys are rocking the thighs in the dows. So that, that was pretty spectacular. So let me ask you this. Who really thought about what they were saying just then? Okay. A few of you. A few of you. And this is kind of the heart of where, where Jesus is getting at in prayer. And he, he starts out and, and he, he talks about, he says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Now, I thought Pastor Eric did a fantastic job uh, bringing a different perspective or, or, or a fuller perspective of this idea of hypocrite because we hear that word all the time. And it was really interesting to me when he, he said that's an actually uh, a, a thespian word or a, a, a theatrical word that refers to actors. So, um, and a hypocrite is essentially an actor on the stage performing a role in order to entertain and get applause. And I found that really interesting. I actually uh, found a really good blog post on it and posted it on the E3 Facebook page if you want to read it. But it, it was really interesting. You just kind of uh, uh, think about it this way, and you think about it in an actor's uh, sense, and you read this, don't be like the actors who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So this, this idea of standing up and, and, and making these big elaborate prayers or, or just, you know, that, that acting like you are spiritual when you really are just playing the part. And what Jesus is saying here, is, as he said in the previous section, that, that you know what, your applause from, from uh, men and women that is all the reward you are ever going to get. So right off the bat, he's saying, look, prayer, you know, that this is not for accolades. Your spirituality is not for accolades uh, from people around you. And then he goes on, and he says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private then your father who sees everything will reward you. So now we got the totally uh, polar opposite, right? We have, you know, Hippocrates, the actor. <laughs> That's funny, right? <laughs> Hippocrates, the actor, you know, who's standing up there and, and, and he's getting the applause. Then Jesus says, no, do this. You know, go into private, shut the door, and, and all this. Has anybody ever prayed not in private and not behind a shut door? Sinners. <laughs> Terrible. Obviously, Jesus is not talking little, speaking li literally here, right? That, that, that he, he's showing, hey, something about the heart. When Hippocrates is praying in front of everybody. His heart is to, is to get accolades from people, that, that he, he is doing it as a show. And he's saying, at least I believe what he's saying, is like, 
your heart should be this, that, that this is this, this intimate conversation uh, between you and your heavenly Father, that this is where your heart should be. In verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't babble on as people do, as other religions do. They think their prayers will be answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And this is kind of uh, one of the ironic things about the Lord's Prayer, that many of us did just that, right? Not just now, but, but in our lives, we're taught, hey, pray this prayer again and again and again. Uh, the Book of Discipleship recommends that you say the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Now, if you do anything three times a day, there's probably a point where you're not going to be really thinking about what you're saying. You're just doing it. It's a religious activity. So this is what Jesus is getting to. He says, don't just say these words, you know, again and again, thinking that they're going to be answered. It's not, you know, Harry Potter and his wand and magic words, right? If you get these words just right, uh, what's, the, what's the spell that you're not meant to say that, like, kills people? Any? Yeah, that one. So, what is it? Avadika Kedavra. All right. I just lost all credibility with you guys, huh? That's right. I can't even remember my children's names, so... <laughs> But it's not, like, it, it's not like saying these magical words. Again, it, it, it's, a, it's a combination. It's like the same idea of, you know, going up to somebody in like a pickup line. It's not the pickup line that works, right? Hey, what's your sign? Hey, I, you're, you're a clever guy. Let's, you know, go out. No, it's, it's there's something else. There's that relational connection. So eight, verse 8, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. So again, this idea that, you know what, God knows everything. He's omnipotent. He uh, is all-knowing. He, 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 he knows what you want to do. And then, then this kind of uh, this uh, inference that, that, that prayer in actuality, the power of prayer changes our hearts and aligns us with God's will rather than changing things externally. Not always, but sometimes there's something to think about. So then he goes in and he says, you know what? Pray like this. He doesn't say pray this. He says pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And this is what I'd like to do and what I did this week is I took each one of these things and broke it out What we, uh in a way that I feel that we can put in our journals and, and write out kind of uh, what, it, what, is, what is the heart of the matter? What is Jesus trying to uh, uh, help? How is Jesus helping us in our conversations? So the first one, our Father in heaven. 
is this idea of, of approaching God with bold intimacy. That word father is, uh, is, the, is the Greek word pater, which is translated from uh, the Arabic word Abba. Now, anybody here know what Abba means? Like beloved father or even more intimate daddy. Daddy, it's this very intimate kind of word that, that it has a very special connotation, has a very special weight to it. In fact, yesterday I was over at my friend's Jamie and Heidi's house, and they have two little uh, kids, uh, Bradley and Elise. And I was sitting there, and Elise came over, and, and, and she climbed on me, and, and Jamie was sitting ne- next to me. And, and she looks at me, and she says, Daddy. I said, I said, Elise, I love you, but I'm not your daddy. I said, I said your daddy is there, and he, he is, you know, the best daddy that you could ever have. And, and he loves you so much. And he's like, I want you to be my daddy, too. And, and she's like, Daddy, Daddy. And I'm like, you know, and I tr- kept on, she's two. So uh, I was like trying to explain to her that that's something that is precious between her and her daddy. And she started trying to call me daddy. And I said, I will not answer to that when you call me because that is what my children, Madison and Eric, call me. And, and that is something very intimate and special. And, and your daddy is going to be the only daddy that you ever have. And, and you're going to be, and, and you're his daughter. And, and that is a special relationship that you two share that nobody else can have. And she's two, right? She's looking at me like, whatever. But, but, uh, but this is the idea that when we come to our Father in heaven, that we approach boldly with that, that intimacy of, of daddy, that, that this is a special relationship. And so when we approach knowing that, the second uh, part of that is acknowledge God's position in holiness. May your name be kept holy. And again, Father in heaven, Daddy in heaven, this, this, this positional, that, that, that our Daddy, we may have this intimate relationship with our Daddy, but Daddy's still the creator and sustainer of the universe, right? I, that, that our Daddy may love us and we have this special relationship, but He is also holy. He is absolutely pure. And so understanding, daddy, yes, but holy king and creator also, yes, as, as we approach. So entering in, my friend Len Sweet likes to uh, start his prayers, God, you are God and I am not. And, he, and, and that's what he says. He be, and I asked him once, why do you say that? He says, because I get confused. And that's why he says that. He, he says, you are God and I am not. So verse 10, he says, may your kingdom come as in heaven. You know, what, what does that mean? Uh, have, may your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Well, what is God's kingdom in heaven? What is our understanding? What is the biblical understanding of heaven? 
perfect. It's, it's ideal in, in every, every sense that there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's relational reconciliation and, and wholeness, there, there's not conflict. Things are as they should be. So uh, may your kingdom come soon as it is in heaven. And this idea that we should be praying for restoration between God and ourselves, you and your relationships, and the world and His creation. And in, in that time, and we're praying that, that you know, the, this is a point where it's like, you know what, God, I need, to, I need to pray, you know, that I can be closer to you, Daddy. That I can please you, Daddy. That, that you'll be proud of me, Daddy. That, that I can know you more, Daddy, and spend more time with you, Daddy. Daddy, also, I need to be praying that, that my relationships with, with, you know, other of your children, uh, you know, are, are strained. That we have different ideas about things and, and who you are, and, and, and it pulls us apart. And also, there's, you know, we have conflict with your whole creation. And going through, and that could be talking, praying for our world, world leaders or, or uh, corporate leaders as they uh, make decisions about, you know, how they do business and, and things like that. But this whole section, as Jesus is saying, is, hey, this is praying for God to uh, have his kingdom, have restoration come soon. The next part is he says, may your will be done here on earth. What's God's will? Anyone? Bueller? Good relationships. Love God, but hope that... that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that, that we exist in the, in the new heaven and the new earth, that God brings restoration between us and God, between us and people, between uh, His creation, all of His creation and, and humanity, and that we experience his kingdom here on earth. And may his will, his perfect will be done here. And we need to ask God as, as part of his church. And one of the interesting things about the Lord's prayer is it's done in the singular plural where, where it's, he says our, you know, when we're saying our father in heaven. So there's this idea that there's a personal nature to it, but it's also a corporate nature as we pray as the church. And to be praying and asking, God, what is undone that you are calling me to reconcile or, or to restore? What is my part in bringing your will into this broken and messy world? And then the next part, he's says, give us today the food we need. And this is really just telling God very specifically what we need. Now, it's important to understand up until this point, everything has been directed toward God and God's will and, and God's plan. The whole first half of this prayer is reorienting our hearts from being 
self-focused to God and creation-focused. And this is where it shifts now, where now that our hearts are right and our perspective is right, and saying, okay, now, God, this is what I need. Now, this word need in, in, the, in the Greek uh, is give us our daily bread, essentially, that, that phrase is basically what do I need in the next 24 hours to survive, right? This is true needs. This is, you know, it, it, it's need, not greed, right? It, it's, it's not like when I was a kid in November or October, the Sears uh, catalog would come. Maybe there's a couple of mossbacks out there like me who remember that. And what I would do as a kid, I would open it up to the back where all the toys were, and I would circle everything that I wanted, all sorts of stuff. And I would give it to my parents, and then I... I figured out very quickly, you know, after a Christmas or two, that they didn't really figure out that there were priorities. So I started this whole star and check system. I'm like, all right, you know, the G.I. Joe with the action grip, you know, that's like a a five-star, three-check, you know, circle kind of toy. You know, the 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 daisy you know pellet gun was definitely you know like a five star five checks double circle you know i'd never get something like that but you know it's like you know and i give it to them and and it really it it, it, it none of that you know i wasn't in the underwear section like underwear didn't get a, even a circle or 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 anything right that 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 it wasn't a need thing i guess you could argue you don't need underwear but that's, that's for your growth group to discuss. <laughs> that's why you... <laughs> it, and what Jesus is trying to differentiate here is, is the idea of, of, you know what? Ask, telling God what you need. And that doesn't necessarily need to be food. That, that may be a friend. That may be a job. It may be food. It may be a conversation. It may be just one word of kindness or affirmation. But telling God very specifically, God, I need this. And then the next section uh, part, he says, and forgive us our sins. And this is to confess our sins to God and ask for forgiveness. This is very, very difficult, especially in our culture, to confess our sins. Essentially, a sin is anything less than God's ideal. I don't know if you would agree or not, but I believe that when God created the heavens and earth and and humanity, that He had an idea in mind. That's God's ideal, and God is God and I am not. And what happens is we live in a post-garden world and we exist in brokenness. And our broke, the, the gap between God's ideal and our brokenness is sin. And fortunately, Jesus came and 
He died for those sins. He died for that gap, and we are covered in grace, and we can boldly go in, in intimacy to our Father. But it doesn't mean that there isn't an ideal. One way that I, th- I think about this is with divorce, and I think this is probably one of the better examples. I know many divorced people, close friends who are divorced Divorce is one of the most horrific relational experiences a person will ever go through. It tears lives apart. But that doesn't mean that that divorce doesn't happen or those people are evil if it does happen. In fact, even Jesus recognizes that there are times that people should or can get divorced. But that doesn't mean that it's the ideal. And I have yet to meet, and I would say that biblically speaking, the ideal is that a man and woman is married until death do they part. And the ideal speaking, you know, that I would argue that every single person who gives their vows in front of their friends and their family and God that that's their ideal as well. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes people get addicted. Sometimes people cheat on each other. Sometimes uh, relationships just tear apart. And that relationship gets severed and there's a divorce. And I think where the Christian church needs to get to is to be able to say, you know what? The ideal is divorce doesn't happen. That's the ideal. But the reality is we live in a broken, messy world. And the other, and the good news is that gap between the ideal and what we're currently experiencing is covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's what grown up adult people say and feel and believe. And that's why when we go to God and we confess our sins, that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I I recognize you are God and I am not. I recognize that, that you wanted this for my life. And I didn't experience that. Last Sunday, I ended up in the ER because I have an autoimmune deficiency and and. To be honest with you, I wasn't eating the way I should be eating, and I landed myself in the hospital. Now, I'm confessing this to you, but also, you know, it's not ideal to be in the ER. But that doesn't, but doesn't mean that I'm evil. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It means that I'm human. And you know what? I, I ate things that, that I knew my body wouldn't uh, metabolize very well. And, I, and in essence, I engaged in less than ideal behavior. And that's, you know, what happened. And I think that we need to be able to get to a point 
those of us who are Christians, to be able to differentiate the difference between experiencing something less than ideal and who we are in Christ. And I think we could all do a lot better if we went and did that. The second thing is really important. This always blows me away because it's a repetitive theme in Scripture. Jesus follows up, confess your sins to God and ask for forgiveness. And then he says, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. For, you know, and that's the next thing that we have to do is to sin, uh, to forgive, sin against those even more. <laughs> forgive those who, who sin against you. Guess what? As broken and messed up as you are, so are they. And you know what? As messed up and broken as they are, so are you. And we're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of grace. Yeah, there's an ideal, but not one person is, has achieved that. And we are all covered by the grace of Jesus. That's called following Jesus and believing what Jesus says. And then finally, he says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And I believe that there, there's a lot of power and accountability in the people who are speaking into our lives. And I think we should ask God to provide people in our life who will help us avoid those thoughts and behaviors that bring separation between us and, and God and people in creation. That, that people who are going to help you move closer to the heart and mind of God, not with the idea that you'll ever be perfect, but you'll be closer to your daddy. That you will have people who inspire and encourage you toward that. Now, how this works out and in, 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 in being away from temptation uh, that I wholeheartedly believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, 30, or verse 13, when Paul writes it, is true. The temptations in your life are no different than what others experienced. Every single person in this room has had sexual uh, temptation. Every single one of us here have been tempted to steal, lie, cheat. It's all the same. Every single one of us. It may come in different forms, but we all have been tempted. He goes on, says, And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And this is just a pet peeve, and I, every time I read this verse, I have to bring this correction in. That does not say that God will never give you anything more than you can handle. That's not what that verse says. It has nothing to do with that. Ask a martyr. When their head was lopped off, was that more than they could handle? Yeah, I would say so. God is talking about temptation. He's talking about when 
I'm traveling, and, and I'm in the hotel lobby, far from anybody I know, and there's a woman there, and, and there's some sort of connection, and there's a temptation to dishonor my family, my, uh, my wife, my church, and my God, that he will make a way for me to not be in that temptation or to, to uh, not yield to that temptation. There will be a way for a follower of Christ. That, that if I have a porn addiction, that, that, you know what, that God will make a way for me not to sin in the way of objectifying women through porn. I may not like it. It may mean that I have to go to my wife and say, you know what, honey? When I come home, I have to give you my laptop, my phone, and my tablet. As Pastor Eric was talking about a few other weeks ago, a way out may not be convenient. It may not make you look like you are a holier-than-thou person. It may make you look very human. You may not like the way out, but God will give you a way out. And that's why we pray, because we all have that temptation. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And I would add on that, give me the courage to take the way out. So ultimately, what I would hope that we would do as a church is to pray like Jesus prayed, to be able to approach our daddy boldly in intimacy, but also acknowledge that he is God and we are not, that we will be part of making his kingdom come and his will be done. And that, that we will be able to assess what our true needs are and not be greedy. And that we will be able to, in humility, confess our sins to God and hopefully others. So they can speak into our lives. And that we do not fall into, into temptation. And that we will be delivered from the evil one. You guys pray with me. 